Chapter Twelve of The New Magdalen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The New Magdalen by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Twelve. Exit Julian. Julian happened to be standing nearest to Mercy. He was the first at her side when she fell. In the cry of alarm which burst from him as he raised her for a moment in his arms, in the expression of his eyes when he looked at her death-like face, there escaped the plain, too plain, confession of the interest which he felt in her, of the admiration which she had aroused in him. Horace detected it. There was the quick suspicion of jealousy in the movement by which he joined Julian. There was the ready resentment of jealousy in the tone in which he pronounced the words, Leave her to me. Julian resigned her in silence. A faint flush appeared on his pale face as he drew back while Horace carried her to the sofa. His eyes sunk to the ground. He seemed to be meditating, self-reproachfully, on the tone in which his friend had spoken to him. After having been the first to take an active part in meeting the calamity that had happened, he was now, to all appearance, insensible to everything that was passing in the room. A touch on his shoulder roused him. He turned and looked round. The woman who had done the mischief, the stranger in the poor black garments, was standing behind him. She pointed to the prostrate figure on the sofa with a merciless smile. "'You wanted a proof just now,' she said. "'There it is.' Horace heard her. He suddenly left the sofa and joined Julian. His face, naturally ruddy, was pale with suppressed fury. "'Take that wretch away,' he said. "'Instantly.' or I won't answer for what I may do. Those words recalled Julian to himself. He looked round the room. Lady Janet and the housekeeper were together, in attendance on the swooning woman. The startled servants were congregated in the library doorway. One of them offered to run to the nearest doctor. Another asked if he should fetch the police. Julian silenced them by a gesture and turned to Horace. "'Compose yourself,' he said. "'Leave me to remove her quietly from the house.' He took Grace by the hand as he spoke. She hesitated and tried to release herself. Julian pointed to the group at the sofa and to the servants looking on. "'You have made an enemy of everyone in this room,' he said. "'And you have not a friend in London. "'Do you wish to make an enemy of me?' Her head drooped. She made no reply. She waited, dumbly obedient, to the firmer will than her own. Julian ordered the servants crowding together in the doorway to withdraw. He followed them into the library, leading Grace after him by the hand. Before closing the door he paused and looked back into the dining-room. "'Is she recovering?' he asked, after a moment's hesitation. Lady Janet's voice answered him, "'Not yet.' "'Shall I send for the nearest doctor?' Horace interposed. He declined to let Julian associate himself even in that indirect manner 
with mercy's recovery if the doctor is wanted he said i will go for him myself julian closed the library door he absently released grace he mechanically pointed to a chair she sat down in silent surprise following him with her eyes as he walked slowly to and fro in the room for the moment his mind was far away from her and from all that had happened since her appearance in the house it was impossible that a man of his fineness of perception could mistake the meaning of horace's conduct toward him he was questioning his own heart on the subject of mercy sternly and unreservedly as it was his habit to do after only once seeing her he thought has she produced such an impression on me that horace can discover it before i have even suspected it myself can the time have come already when i owe it to my friend to see her no more he stopped irritably in his walk as a man devoted to a serious calling in life there was something that wounded his self-respect in the bare suspicion that he could be guilty of the purely sentimental extravagance called love at first sight he had paused exactly opposite to the chair in which grace was seated weary of the silence she seized the opportunity of speaking to him i have come here with you as you wished she said are you going to help me am i to count on you as my friend he looked at her vacantly it cost him an effort before he could give her the attention that she had claimed you have been hard on me grace went on but you showed me some kindness at first you tried to make them give me a fair hearing i ask you as a just man do you doubt now that the woman on the sofa in the next room is an impostor who has taken my place can there be any plainer confession that she is mercy merrick than the confession she has made you saw it they saw it she fainted at the sight of me julian crossed the room still without answering her and rang the bell when the servant appeared he told the man to fetch a cab grace rose from her chair what is the cab for she asked sharply for you and for me julian replied i am going to take you back to your lodgings i refuse to go my place is in this house neither lady janet nor you can get over the plain facts all i asked was to be confronted with her and what did she do when she came into the room she fainted at the sight of me reiterating her one triumphant assertion she fixed her eyes on julian with a look which said plainly answer that if you can in mercy to her julian answered it on the spot as far as i understand he said you appear to take it for granted that no innocent woman would have fainted on first seeing you i have something to tell you which will alter your opinion on her arrival in england this lady informed my aunt that she had met with you accidentally on the french frontier and that she had seen you so far as she knew struck dead at her side by a shell remember that and recall what happened just now without a word to warn her of your restoration to life she finds herself suddenly face to face with you a living woman 
and this at a time when it is easy for any one who looks at her to see that she is in a delicate health what is there wonderful what is there unaccountable in her fainting under such circumstances as these the question was plainly put where was the answer to it there was no answer to it mercy's wisely candid statement of the manner in which she had first met with grace and of the accident which had followed had served mercy's purpose but too well it was simply impossible for persons acquainted with that statement to attach a guilty meaning to the swoon the false grace roseberry was still as far beyond the reach of suspicion as ever and the true grace was quick enough to see it she sank into the chair from which she had risen her hands fell in hopeless despair on her lap everything is against me she said the truth itself turns liar and takes her side she paused and rallied her sinking courage no she cried resolutely i won't submit to have my name and my place taken from me by a vile adventuress say what you like i insist on exposing her i won't leave the house the servant entered the room and announced that the cab was at the door grace turned to julian with a defiant wave of her hand don't let me detain you she said i see i have neither advice nor help to expect from mr julian gray julian beckoned to the servant to follow him into a corner of the room do you know if the doctor has been sent for he asked i believe not sir it is said in the servants hall that the doctor is not wanted julian was too anxious to be satisfied with a report from the servants hall he hastily wrote on a slip of paper has she recovered and gave the note to the man with directions to take it to lady janet did you hear what i said grace inquired while the messenger was absent in the dining-room i will answer you directly said julian the servant appeared again as he spoke with some lines in pencil written by lady janet on the back of julian's note thank god we have revived her in a few minutes we hope to be able to take her to her room the nearest way to mercy's room was through the library grace's immediate removal had now become a necessity which was not to be trifled with julian addressed himself to meeting the difficulty the instant he was left alone with grace listen to me he said the cab is waiting and i have my last words to say to you you are now thanks to the consul's recommendation in my care decide at once whether you will remain under my charge or whether you will transfer yourself to the charge of the police grace started what do you mean she asked angrily if you wish to remain under my charge julian proceeded you will accompany me at once to the cab in that case i will undertake to give you an opportunity of telling your story to my own lawyer he will be a fitter person to advise you than i am nothing will induce me to believe that the lady whom you have accused has committed or is capable of committing such a fraud as you charge her with you will hear what the lawyer thinks if you come with me if you refuse i shall have no choice but to send into the next room and tell them that you are still here the result will be that you will find yourself in charge of the police 
take which course you like i will give you a minute to decide in and remember this if i appear to express myself harshly it is your conduct which forces me to speak out i mean kindly toward you i am advising you honestly for your good he took out his watch to count the minute grace stole one furtive glance at his steady resolute face she was perfectly unmoved by the manly consideration for her which julian's last words had expressed all she understood was that he was not a man to be trifled with future opportunities would offer themselves of returning secretly to the house she determined to yield and deceive him i am ready to go she said rising with dogged submission your turn now she muttered to herself as she turned to the looking-glass to arrange her shawl my turn will come julian advanced toward her as if to offer her his arm and checked himself firmly persuaded as he was that her mind was deranged readily as he admitted that she claimed in virtue of her affliction every indulgence that he could extend to her there was something repellent to him at that moment in the bare idea of touching her the image of the beautiful creature who was the object of her monstrous accusation the image of mercy as she lay helpless for a moment in his arms was vivid in his mind while he opened the door that led into the hall and drew back to let grace pass out before him he left the servant to help her into the cab the man respectfully addressed him as he took his seat opposite to grace i am ordered to say that your room is ready sir and that her ladyship expects you to dinner absorbed in the events which had followed his aunt's invitation julian had forgotten his engagement to stay at mablethorpe house could he return knowing his own heart as he now knew it could he honourably remain perhaps for weeks together in mercy's society conscious as he now was of the impression which she had produced on him no the one honourable course that he could take was to find an excuse for withdrawing from his engagement beg her ladyship not to wait dinner for me he said i will write and make my apologies the cab drove off the wondering servant waited on the doorstep looking after it i wouldn't stand in mr julian's shoes for something he thought with his mind running on the difficulties of the young clergyman's position there she is along with him in the cab what is he going to do with her after that julian himself if it had been put to him at the moment could not have answered the question lady janet's anxiety was far from being relieved when mercy had been restored to her senses and conducted to her own room mercy's mind remained in a condition of unreasoning alarm which it was impossible to remove over and over again she was told that the woman who had terrified her had left the house and would never be permitted to enter it more over and over again she was assured that the stranger's frantic assertions were regarded by everybody about her as unworthy of a moment's serious attention she persisted in doubting whether they were telling her the truth a shocking distrust of her friends seemed to possess her she shrunk when lady janet approached the bedside she shuddered when lady janet kissed her she flatly refused to let horace see her 
she asked the strangest questions about julian gray and shook her head suspiciously when they told her that he was absent from the house at intervals she hid her face in the bedclothes and murmured to herself piteously oh what shall i do what shall i do at other times her one petition was to be left alone i want nobody in my room that was her sullen cry nobody in my room the evening advanced and brought with it no change for the better lady janet by the advice of horace sent for her own medical adviser the doctor shook his head the symptoms he said indicated a serious shock to the nervous system he wrote a sedative prescription and he gave with a happy choice of language some sound and safe advice it amounted briefly to this take her away and try the seaside lady janet's customary energy acted on the advice without a moment's needless delay she gave the necessary directions for packing the trunks overnight and decided on leaving mablethorpe house with mercy the next morning shortly after the doctor had taken his departure a letter from julian addressed to lady janet was delivered by private messenger beginning with the necessary apologies for the writer's absence the letter proceeded in these terms before i permitted my companion to see the lawyer i felt the necessity of consulting him as to my present position toward her first i told him what i think it only right to repeat to you that i do not feel justified in acting on my own opinion that her mind is deranged in the case of this friendless woman i want medical authority and more even than that i want some positive proof to satisfy my conscience as well as to confirm my view finding me obstinate on this point the lawyer undertook to consult a physician accustomed to the treatment of the insane on my behalf after sending a message and receiving the answer he said bring the lady here in half an hour she shall tell her story to the doctor instead of telling it to me the proposal rather staggered me i asked how it was possible to induce her to do that he laughed and answered i shall present the doctor as my senior partner my senior partner will be the very man to advise her you know that i hate all deception even where the end in view appears to justify it on this occasion however there was no other alternative than to let the lawyer take his own course or to run the risk of a delay which might be followed by serious results i waited in a room by myself feeling very uneasy i own until the doctor joined me after the interview was over his opinion is briefly this after careful examination of the unfortunate creature he thinks that there are unmistakably symptoms of mental aberration but how far the mischief has gone and whether her case is or is not sufficiently grave to render actual restraint necessary he cannot positively say in our present state of ignorance as to facts thus far he observed we know nothing of that part of her delusion which relates to mercy merrick the solution of the difficulty in this case is to be found there i entirely agree with the lady that the inquiries of the consul at mannheim are far from being conclusive furnish me with satisfactory evidence either that there is or is not 
such a person really in existence as mercy merrick and i will give you a positive opinion on the case whenever you choose to ask for it those words have decided me on starting for the continent and renewing the search for mercy merrick my friend the lawyer wonders jocosely whether i am in my right senses his advice is that i should apply to the nearest magistrate and relieve you and myself of all further trouble in that way perhaps you agree with him my dear aunt as you have often said i do nothing like other people i am interested in this case i cannot abandon a forlorn woman who has been confided to me to the tender mercies of strangers so long as there is any hope of my making discoveries which may be instrumental in restoring her to herself perhaps also in restoring her to her friends i start by the mail train of to-night my plan is to go first to mannheim and consult with the consul and the hospital doctors then to find my way to the german surgeon and to question him and that done to make the last and hardest effort of all the effort to trace the french ambulance and to penetrate the mystery of mercy merrick immediately on my return i will wait on you and tell you what i have accomplished or how i have failed in the meanwhile pray be under no alarm about the reappearance of this unhappy woman at your house she is fully occupied in writing at my suggestion to her friends in canada and she is under the care of the landlady at her lodgings an experienced and trustworthy person who has satisfied the doctor as well as myself of her fitness for the charge that she has undertaken pray mention this to miss roseberry whenever you think it desirable with the respectful expression of my sympathy and of my best wishes for her speedy restoration to health and once more forgive me for failing under stress of necessity to enjoy the hospitality of mablethorpe house lady janet closed julian's letter feeling far from satisfied with it she sat for a while pondering over what her nephew had written to her one of two things thought the quick-witted old lady either the lawyer is right and julian is a fit companion for the mad woman whom he has taken under his charge or he has some second motive for this absurd journey of his which he has carefully abstained from mentioning in his letter what can the motive be at intervals during the night that question recurred to her ladyship again and again the utmost exercise of her ingenuity failing to answer it her one resource left was to wait patiently for julian's return and in her own favorite phrase to have it out of him then the next morning lady janet and her adopted daughter left mablethorpe house for brighton horace who had begged to be allowed to accompany them being sentenced to remain in london by mercy's expressed desire why nobody could guess and mercy refused to say End of chapter 12